What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what, that was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! Some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. Sunday night. Three weeks away from the first Sunday of the season. Cannot wait, baby. Let's get it going, man. Welcome to Fantasy Football Today on this Sunday night, August 23rd, as I look at my computer to tell me the date. I'm Adam Azer with Dave Richard and Jamie Eisenberg. What's up, fellas? How's your weekend going? Another quiet weekend in the books because they're not going to be so quiet three weeks from now. I share your enthusiasm. I cannot wait for the football. <laughs> the football. I've been enjoying the basketball. Mm-hmm. I've been watching. I thought you weren't enjoying the basketball. Well, I've been trying to enjoy it. Look, the NBA, for as long as we can remember, just has a big problem with the last minute or two of the game. It's just really bad. They have to fix it. They have What's to fix the problem? It. it takes too long. And they, they eliminated a timeout to speed it up, and then they added these reviews, and they review everything. And it's just Have you oh, not seen the it. last two minutes of any half of pro football for the last 25 years? I don't think it's, I don't think it's as bad. It doesn't feel as bad to me. Sometimes it takes forever. Yeah, I guess I just like football more than basketball. <laughs> You're a Knicks fan. Yeah, but I'm a Giants fan. You know, that's like, what kind of argument is that I'm a Knicks fan? I'm a Giants fan. They're, all, they're basically as bad. I was with, uh, with a buddy today, and he is a... Jets, Mets, and Knicks fan. And that's like a trifecta of misery. That's terrible. Um, I went to college with a kid who was a Yankees, no, Braves, Cowboys, Bulls fan. (laughs) Everybody in the world hates that guy. All right. In the 90s, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So um, what was the biggest news item of the weekend? Dave? Um, well, other than the the scare of positive COVID nineteen tests that turned out to be false positives, good news, season back on. Uh, Lamar Jackson, soft tissue injury, not practicing. Maybe not the biggest thing because it sounds like he's going to be back at practice soon. But first, the Ravens said he's getting a rest day. His arms tired, and that wouldn't be a good thing. And then they said he's got a groin injury, and that's not a good thing either. So um, <laughs> something to just keep in mind. It's not going to change a ranking or anything like that, but it's not good. Yeah, he's hopefully going to be back on Monday. I think they said back on Monday. If, if Jackson's not back on Monday, we can react again, but that was something that certainly caught our eye. Um, I said news, but it could be any type of development, uh, Jamie. Anything really stand out to you over the uh, over the weekend? Uh, there, there were two. Uh, the freaking out over Josh Jacobs because of Theo Riddick signing, and you know, uh, 
I, I can't wait. I hope he's going to say yes. So this is my public plea to Victor Four to come on to CBS Sports HQ as part of our fantasy beat. Hopefully he listens because he just uh, basically, I like when guys, you know, say, hey, fantasy managers, calm down. <laughs> Josh Jacobs is still going to be involved in the passing game. He's not going to catch 60 passes, but Theo Riddick is added for depth. If he makes the final roster, if you want an example, see Jeremy Hill. Um, and the other thing was people freaking out over Ronald Jones dropping a pass in practice. Uh, that was four that was, passes. That was four uh, passes. well, the one that everybody saw, you know. So, right, but apparently, um, uh, sorry, Jamie, but apparently he dropped four. Lashawn dropped one. Keyshawn dropped one. Right. They have a crappy a quarterback. Day. I think they have a bad quarterback. Um, well, you know, uh, that's probably true. But um, you know, if you're in the Ronald Jones camp, uh, you you want to you want to see that happen because then it's going to keep him in a good spot for you on drafting. Yes. And on the Josh Jacobs front, he had 20 catches last year in 13 games. He was on pace for 25 catches. He was the number 12 running back in non-PPR per game, number 15 running back in PPR per game. And he only scored seven touchdowns, and that was on 262 touches. Uh, There's obviously, uh, you know, he's on pace for 323 touches and nine touchdowns, 1,600 total yards. He doesn't need to catch 50 passes to be really good, but he probably needs to score more touchdowns, I think, to to be a first round pick. He's not going in the first round, but uh, if you want him to return first round value, probably need double digit touchdowns out of Jacobs. Would you agree with that? Because since we don't think he's going to get 50 catches and it's very attainable, I'd say. But, well, he may get 49 just to screw you up. Yeah. What if he gets 48? 48, forget it. I don't think 50 catches is in the cards, but you know, I, I'll just stick with what I've been saying all along that you know, 35 to 40 would be great. Anything north of 40, you'd be thrilled with. Mm-hmm. And so if he gets to that number, plus what he showed you as a rusher last year, if that can be replicated, especially over a 16-game pace where he was you know, in, in the conversation to lead the NFL in rushing, in the conversation in terms of carries, so he's got that type of uh, that type of upside. It's the passing numbers that have to come along with it. And like I said, if you panic over jo- uh, Ronald Jones dropping passes and you're panicking over Theo Riddick joining the roster, if you're on the flip side of that, that just means better value for a player that you want to target. That 50 catch mark, by the way, I want to reiterate, it's top five running backs almost always get 50 catches. Top 12 running backs, no. Uh, the guys who finish 6 through 12, they often don't. So it's a good thing. It's not a requirement. Right. No, nobody, I think, is expecting Josh Jacobs to be top five without a, a, a lot to happen to go his way. But six through 10 is where I think he'll finish. That being said, I don't think it should shock you if he ended up with 50 catches this year. He can do it. It's just a matter of whether or not the coaching staff wants to let him do it. And Richard is good. Richard is the one that I'm worried about. I don't, I don't even know if Riddick's going to make the final roster. To me, that could have been about Devontae Booker not being good, and they're just looking for another guy. And Bowden's going to be just a few catches a game, if that. I, I think he's got a shot at 50 or 90. Uh, <laughs> uh, last thing here justify if you are doing this justify taking Josh Jacobs over Austin Eckler in a PPR league. I'm not, I don't think you should. I no. mean, you know, again, you're, you're looking at what the receptions mean to uh, a player in PPR and what the targets mean to a player in PPR, you know, that that's going to offset some of those things. And Eckler, the hope would be, uh, I'm sure Heath would tell you this, that he takes a good portion of those 200 touches that are available from Melvin Gordon, you know, especially the carries. So you're going Eckler so, over Jacobs in PPR? In PPR, yeah. Okay. But in non-PPR, I'm taking Jacobs. Easy. I just ate on the air for the first time, I think. Ever? My raisins. Welcome to the club, Adam. Yeah. Oh, well, he's got the sunflower seeds going on my second box of raisins today. Uh, all right. So Lamar Jackson's big news. 
Josh, uh, Josh Jacobs, big news. I don't, I honestly cannot remember what we covered on the podcast on Friday. It's starting to blend in, but we've had these beat writers on HQ all week and you, and you need to be watching CBS sports HQ live noon Eastern Monday through Friday. You can watch on cbsportshq.com or better yet, download the HQ app, watch on your phone, um, watch on your Roku, which I do, but James Connor is going to be a workhorse apparently. And Mark Ingram, you know, I think Shraggy B was excited about what he heard about Mark Ingram. So how about the Connor thing, the Connor news item, which I don't think we talked about on Friday, right, Ben? We did I not. I don't think so. Okay, so what's the news here? Um, let's let me get that. Get, let's get that story straight first, and then we can react to it. I mean, he said uh, Mark Bali of the Athletic said a few things that were interesting. Uh, the James Connor one was was one that uh, we sent out uh, on Twitter on the FFT account that got a lot of buzz, and it was you know that Connor's still going to be the workhorse there. Uh, you know, Mark said. What I think, you know, a lot of people realize if you look at the Steelers history under Mike Tomlin, that they're going to continue to use one guy. He said Benny Snell will get a series or two. Um, McFarlane will, you know, sort of have to find his way to get a, a niche role, essentially. But if Connor's healthy and, and you know, as Mark said, that's the key. Um, he's going to be what he was in 2018, what Le'Veon Bell has been, what D'Angelo Williams has been when Le'Veon wasn't there. And so that's the, you know, uh, scenario that you have to buy into. So. I moved Connor up into the second round. Um, I, I think when you Ooh. look at what his what his outlook could be, I think there should be 15 running backs now in round two. Um, you know, you got you got to obviously take it with uh, the understanding of you know he's uh, he's an injury prone running back. But um, the other thing that he said on top of that was Benny Snell will be the guy, the backup guy. You know, so if you're looking for the right. handcuff uh, or a late round pick, you know, a lottery ticket type of guy, Benny Snell's coming in great shape. Um, Mark has written this. I don't think he said it in the interview, but. Um, Le'Veon Bell, second season, better shape. James Conner, second season, better shape. Benny Snell's following suit, second season, better shape. So um, losing weight, uh, you know, trimming up his body, getting himself ready for what could be a big workload if, if we see Conner go down. Uh, and then just quickly, the other things that he said was that Juju is going to have a monster season and that Deontay Johnson is uh, everything that, you know, is being advertised from the fantasy community that if you're buying in. So um, I, I know that caught Keith's attention because Heath is, uh, you know, I think more of the, well, James Washington's good camp and Deontay still has a, a way to go. And, and he, I'm sure he does, but, um, you know, Mark kind of confirmed, I think a lot of things that, that we were thinking. He also said Eric Ebron could have a chance for a good season too. Yeah. I read his story on Ebron about how he's making plays in practice and he's going to be a red zone monster and all, all the things that he was in Indianapolis. And it's just not, apparently he had a practice this weekend or something like that, where he started to drop the ball a little bit and, that's always been a problem with him going, especially in yeah. Indianapolis. I think yeah. it's the reason I think it's the reason why he's not on the Colts anymore, but yeah, or the Eric Ebron could be an interesting week one streamer. Cause he's taken on the oh, Giants. Yeah. Good call. And that depleted secondary. You can literally take them. You can take your DST and your kicker first. Cause half the people in your league are not going to want to drop to draft Eric Ebron. Yeah. So, he said I'm a motivated Eric Ebron's a good Eric Ebron right now. He's motivated. Yep. So, a lot of mouths to well, feed in that offense. Now. Look, I mean, that's mouths obviously a lot of optimism about the Steelers, right? But they, they, well, that's they why Ben Ben's a top five quarterback. They are. A look, he could be right. They're obviously a. If Ben is right, they're a Super Bowl contender. Yep. Right. They got. Oh, they're, they're, they're they're, their defense is the best in football. Yep. I don't understand. Okay, wait. I'm trying to find the spread for Week One. Yeah. What that three and a half? They're gonna kill the Giants. They're going to kill the Giants. Like I bet that I bet that goes up as as Roethlisberger's report. Uh, get it now. 
I mean, yeah, of course come, you get to know. Yeah, yeah, three and a half point favorites. Um, so I'll start doing this every Sunday. Uh, so what we, well, for the next two weeks, uh, what we have coming up this week is we're talking NFC North. So we have uh, uh, Lions, Vikings, Packers, and Bears, and writers from all those. I won't say everybody just till they're confirmed, but uh, Dave Burkett of the Detroit Free Press is going to join us on Monday. So we'll get an update on DeAndre Swift, who left practice, uh, I believe, on Friday with an injury. Hopefully he's okay. And we'll find out how good Stafford and Jones could be coming back, Galladay in a breakout season, and how relevant on Johnson should still be. All right, I'm going to just wrap this whole thing up here. We got rank, we got rankings, risers, and fallers coming up. We got fantasy combos. We've got the listener hot take of the day. We've got your emails at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. We were hoping to have... Uh, we were hoping to have uh, on today, but uh, could not make it, unfortunately. Um, so, and also, if you want your uh, your questions regulated, your fantasy league issues regulated, I will spare you the music. But we'll do a, some fantasy regulators throughout the no, week. No, no, no. You're playing the music. Okay. Um, <laughs> I gotta find it. Sorry, it's I'm working. Oh, on this. so that's what it is. You weren't ready for it. There you go. Uh, okay, anyway, Dave, final question is for you. All right. Is James Conner a second-round pick? For yes. You? Okay. You know, you could try to get him in round three, and that obviously you'd prefer to get any player that we say is a second-round pick a round later than that or whenever. But, yeah, he's he was in my top 20 going into the weekend, and uh, he still is. Okay. Um, with that said... You know, can I say one quick thing on the Lions running backs? Yeah, and then I actually have the big news. I have the big news of the weekend that we forgot, but go on. All right. Matt Patricia was on Sirius XM NFL radio, and when they asked him about DeAndre Swift, he couldn't stop talking about how he likes to use multiple running backs. And the other big news is that Dave has shaved, but like his goatee is like kind of there. I can't really tell what's happening. I uh, I went a little too far with my uh, trimmer. You had a goatee for how long? Oh God, since college, except oh. for when I lost a bet. Right, so that's over. That's twenty years. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It doesn't look like I have one much right now. Not really. Hey, no. we've got a six-hour fantasy football draftathon on Wednesday, September second, supporting St. Jude. Okay, this is the best thing we do all year. We need you to support us. We need you to support St. Jude, not us. Join the Fantasy Football Today crew and other industry experts as we provide nonstop fantasy advice and analysis on CBS Sports HQ and on Twitch. That's six hours on Wednesday, September 2nd, the St. Jude, these who are supporting St. Jude, the Fantasy Football Draft-a-thon. Uh, the Podcast League, getting the submissions in now. I'm gonna pick them by the end of the week. The, the draft is on September 1st. I'm right about it. Right, September 1st, right? At 8 p.m.? No. When is it? Uh, next week. I thought it was September 1st. No. Are you 31st. sure? Schrager? The, the, I'm sorry. The draft could be on September 1st. It's, I just told you the week of the 31st. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's September 1st at 8 p.m. That works. Sure. Does anybody have a calendar for crying out loud? Uh, September well, 1st is Tuesday, yes. I told people when it was on initially. September 1st, 8 p.m., submit your entries. Something creative, a song, whatever it is, a poem, um, you know, a video, anything creative. Be creative. Fantasy football at cbsi.com. Put podcast league in the subject line. And make sure you're watching us on CBS Sports HQ. All right, time for some fantasy combos, complete with Twitter polls. Would you rather have... Michael Thomas and Josh Jacobs or Dalvin Cook and Chris Godwin? 
what's the format? PPR. Glad you asked. The Michael Thomas side. No, maybe not. PPR. I'll say it again. Michael Thomas and Josh Jacobs or Dalvin Cook and Chris Godwin? Yeah, let me change my answer. To Cook? Yeah, Cook and Godwin. PPR, you just can't ignore it. There's there's a chance Godwin comes within 25 catches of Michael Thomas, and Cook should have at least 25 more catches than Josh Jacobs, provided that he can stay on the field. Jamie, what's your answer? The thing is, I saw Ben Gretsch get into an argument with somebody who was uh, contending that he should have because he released his rankings. Uh, which you should check out because they're not on on the rankings page on our site, which is an oversight on our part. But um, Ben has, as I think everybody does, Kamara over Cook. And the person arguing with him was saying that Cook should be ahead of Kamara, which if he's right, in terms of Dalvin Cook, I mean, wouldn't be a stretch. You know, we, we saw him. No, those, yeah, not at all. Those 13 games last year was pretty impressive. So I think you're looking at, you know, Dalvin in PPR should be a lot better than Josh Jacobs. And your poll is incorrect because you call him Josh Jacob. So you made up some. I'm wondering if I ran out of letters. I think I may have run out of characters because I do see now it says Josh Jacob. Well, Josh Jacob and Michael Thomas actually got 67.5% of the vote. So it looks like you guys are incorrect or the listeners or you're calling our listeners stupid. So either way, great options. Twitter poll number they, two. They, 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 you made up a player. So maybe they think you're, you know, <laughs> you're talking about somebody else. Josh Jacobs is the pass catching <laughs> All-purpose back on uh, on the Raiders. Okay, uh, would you rather have George Kittle and Devin Singletary or Aaron Jones and Darren Waller? Would you rather have Kittle and Singletary or Aaron Jones and Darren Waller? That's a good one. I would rather have... Whew, uh, what format? PPR. Kittle and Singletary. Take the best player. You So wait, yes. Kittle's ahead of Aaron... I don't know, Jay. I think Aaron Jones ahead of Kittle for you. No. no? Okay. Well, in half PPR, I know you took Jones over Kittle, mm-hmm. but not in full. No. All right. So you're going Kittle and Singletary, Dave. I think I'm going to go Kittle and Singletary too. There does seem to be some traction to Zach Moss getting more than just the Frank Gore role in Buffalo. Apparently he's been really, really impressive. We might've talked about this last week about how Zach Moss has started to play really well in practice and he's catching the ball in practice and it took Singletary a little while to get going this year, but now he has been getting going. I think he had uh, like one of his best practices over the weekend could be more of a tandem than we were initially believing there, but could see a similar tandem in green Bay. We know that there's two other running backs that Aaron Jones has to work with, and Waller almost certainly will see fewer targets this year than he did last year. Yeah, there was there was actually a report. Um, I don't even know who this guy is, Jim Ozarski. It was a Reddit Jim Q&A. O O W C A R C Z A R C Z. I I met him. He used to work in Cincinnati. Now he's in Green Bay. Yeah, uh, I'm just looking at Roto World and it says Packers beat water. Beat report Jim O said AJ Dillon's role could change during the season, but he doesn't expect major usage in the early going. I mean, that's a good sign mm-hmm. for Aaron Jones. It's kind mm-hmm. of why I moved him back up because of the offseason, the lack of, you know, prep for AJ Dillon. Last Twitter poll PPR, which combo would you rather have? Patrick Mahomes and DK Metcalf or Kyler Murray and Kenny Galladay? This is a runaway right now, by the way. Mahomes and Metcalf or Kyler Murray and Galladay? 
I'll take Murray and Galde. Especially if you're looking at ADP. Well, that's I used Fantasy Pros ADP and I picked, you know, a quarterback. This was a combination. All of these combos are basically based on ADP. You want the early round quarterback and the mid round wide receiver, or do you want the early round wide receiver and Galladay and, and Kyler Murray instead of Mahomes and Metcalf? So all right, Jamie's going with Murray and Galladay. Dave? I am too. Murray and Galladay. Okay, well, 29.4% of the vote, Murray and Galladay, 70.6% like Mahomes and Metcalf. Interesting. What about the middle poll? Did you say the results for that one? No, I didn't. Sorry. Kittle and Singletary, 54.6%. Aaron Jones and Waller, 45.4%. Close. Yeah, yeah. All right, thank you. That was a fun round of fantasy combos. I think people, I think there's still a large swath of the general fantasy playing universe that will gravitate toward those top quarterbacks early on in draft day. So that's probably why Mahomes got so much of the vote. I think they're, I don't think they're voting for DK. I think they're voting for Mahomes. Yeah, probably. Figuring, you know, mega stud, tons of points each week. That's who I'd want. All right, it's time for a new segment. Perhaps the only time we'll have it. Uh, Listener hot take of the day. This is from Cassidy. Hot take for the year. CeeDee Lamb is the best receiver for the Cowboys and finishes top 15 in PPR. I guarantee it. Run with it. Well, guarantees uh, are never wrong. So Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I am starting. I, I'm Listen, I, I loved him when he came out, and I loved him when the Cowboys picked him. And Jamie brings it up all the time that at one point during the offseason, I had Lamb ranked ahead of, of Gallup. I'm starting to wonder if just you you avoid Amari Cooper on draft day and go get the other two Cowboys receivers. And one of those two should be amazing for fantasy. And the other one could be a good flex for the year. And their values are great right now. I mean, Gallup, I, you might see him pushing around five eventually if he's not there already. I'm not sure what his ADP is. But Lamb's ADP can't be that high. I, you know, I, I think up. that he's got a real, everybody is going crazy over what he's doing in practice. He is 117th best, right now. Yeah, that's amazing. And so I think as far as pure talent goes, mm-hmm. Lamb might be, he'll, I think he'll eventually be the best one. He's probably not quite the best one yet, but opportunities that I don't know how many there are to go around for three big time pass catchers in Dallas. But I, I think I'd, I think I might start trying to cook up a strategy where I get Gallup and Lamb on my fantasy team. It's, so her her bold prediction is Lamb is top fifteen in PPR. AJ Brown was top fifteen in non PPR last year, but he was something like twentieth in PPR. I think the last time a rookie wide receiver finished top fifteen in PPR was the Beckham Evans year. I don't think it's happened in the last five years since then. So that is a really, really tough um, mark to crack. Brown was 21st. That was the highest of A.J. Brown of all the rookies last year. So keep that in mind, but it is a bold prediction. Why did I read this? Because the follow-up email from Cassidy is why I read it, okay? Cassidy says, I was hoping you'd share my hot take on CeeDee Lamb, and in return, I will donate to the Scott Fishbowl or whatever fundraiser you'd like. So I usually don't accept bribes to get on the show, but if you're going to donate and have us talk about CD Lamb, that is fine with me. So Cassidy, thank you. 
Uh, Fantasy Cares, is that where we should send Cassidy? Yes. You can, or you could do St. Jude's, you know, for the fun. Yeah, how about that? Do. Let's do, donate yeah. to St. Jude. That would be incredible. E- either, either one is, is obviously Take great Take whatever choice. you were going to yeah. donate to one, cut it in half, and donate to both. Um, and then Cassidy or double went on, it and do it for both. Cassidy oh, yeah. went on to say, you're truly, this is to me, you're truly a great person, and I appreciate your character in a world of so much darkness right now. There's no way that that was to you. That, I was like, everything up to that point was terrific email, and then it just went off the rails. Uh, and then we've got the how come this never happens in my league of the day. I've been going through a bunch of my emails today. Somebody, <laughs> one of our listeners traded um, Justin Tucker for Leonard Fournette. <laughs> <laughs> That's a little too much Leonard Fournette hate. Yeah, how come this never happens in my league, Justin Tucker for Leonard Fournette. All right, let's do rankings, risers, and followers here. I got a lot of news to get to later on in the show, but let's start. I asked you for three risers, three followers. Dave, Give me your three risers, and then we'll talk about the first one. I gave you Damian Harris, Philip Lindsay, and Antonio Gibson, but I probably should have given you Bryce Love instead of Antonio Gibson. Good, let's stop it. Just, it's just, it's just more. It sets more and more love for love. And don't you uh, feel like I'm sorry? Not stop, don't you feel like Gibson is going to be overdrafted? Well, I mean, I, I, I've got somebody in Washington telling me that he looks great as a running back too. Like, not only just, is I he doing amazing I can't see the work pass though, catcher. That's a problem. Well. Let's talk about it. What could what could the workload be? Because Adrian Peterson's definitely going to be involved as long as he's upright. Coaches love him. True pro, talented guy, can still play. That's probably at least a dozen carries per game in neutral situations. Yep. When they're playing from behind, I don't know if it's going to be Gibson getting all that because I just wonder if he's going to be a little too gadgety. And, or they use Gibson plus something else because... I don't know. Maybe they're just a little too thin at, at wide receiver right now. Once you've got McLaurin and Sims, um, Dontrell Inman's going to light the world on fire. I don't know. Maybe they get Gibson out there. So I think Bryce Love can end up getting the rest. And you go back and you watch Bryce Love play in college and just fast, good pass catcher out of the backfield. Wish he played with more power. I wish I knew what his body type was like right now and how much weight he had on him. Did he put on a little extra armor while he was recovering from the ACL? It, it sounds like he might have because Ron Rivera is talking about him like he could be an eventual three down back. Well, Dave, and let me ask I you think this. the last time he talked about somebody doing that was Christian McCaffrey. So you've got both those guys, uh, Harris and Love. And they both have a chance to become the lead back for their teams. Harris for the Patriots, Love for the Redskins. Who would you take first? I think I'm still taking Harris first, even though he's got he, he's got the same type of problem. He's got to share with James White. There's no doubt about that. James White's going to have his usual role. And if Cam Newton's a quarterback, and it looks like he will be, what happens when the Patriots get inside the three-yard line? They could hand off to Harris, and I think he can do good in that role he did at Alabama. Or Cam Newton can do what Cam Newton does and score from short yardage. I know we talked about that last week, so not a new hot subject for the podcast. But I think Harris does have potential to finish as a number two running back, certainly in non-PPR, whereas Love and Gibson might have that potential in full PPR. But you don't have to draft them that way. None of these guys. I don't think Harris is going to go into round seven anytime soon. I think that's a reach. Unless think- unless Sony Michelle's on the pup list. And, and, and the Patriots running backs coach said that he thinks that Michelle will be ready to play week one. So that is the story you got to follow is, you know, what's going to happen there. They, they still but have is an he ready. Will he be ready? 
I, it, I don't know. I mean, that's the question, you know, it, it, and if you're again, and you're in Damien Harris camp, this, these are the type of things that s- sway how you end up getting him one way or the other, you know, mm-hmm. so if Michelle is on the pup list, the rush for Damien Harris is going to be there. If he's not, and, you know, he's, you know, cleared in some capacity, cleared for week one, but still not playing, still not practicing, you know, then it bumps Harris down a little bit and that makes it a better value pick. And, you know, you can still get six weeks out of, uh, Harris being the guy until Sony Michelle is maybe doing anything or it could be three weeks or it could be one, but there's yeah. also the Lamar Miller factor looming. That's the I thing know, you got to gauge. So yeah. But I, I mean, how, how effective could those running backs be if they're just, you know, doing individual stuff on the side and not participating? I mean, we're still Miller, three weeks I, away. I don't even know if it's even fair to say for Miller just cause he's a veteran and he's been around and, and Sony has too, that they could just like, you know, it's like riding a bicycle. They get right back into it. I, I think that there's a legitimate chance here for Harris to. Oh, to I, 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 I totally agree. I'm just, you know, the other side of it is, again, if you are buying into Damian Harris, which I think everybody should, because what we know right now is Michelle's hurt and Lamar Miller is not active. So you should be looking at a guy who's been turning heads in practice and getting an opportunity to showcase himself as the potential starter. But if you are buying into it and you want to, try and drive down the price you should be saying to your friends and should be, you know, talking about it, you know, cause I mean, a lot of this is regional too. You know, when you, when you, when you have guys like this that, Oh, look, Sonny Michelle is getting some positive reports or Lamar Miller is close to being active. You know, those are the la- last two things that we've seen from the Patriots, which, you know, we're never going to give you an accurate answer on what the, the status of these guys are. So um, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with everything Dave said, you know, I, I would take love, um, I would take the value of love over Gibson. Gibson's ceiling is probably higher at this point, but you know, love may end up being the best running back for Washington um, just based on a 35 year old in front of him and a converted wide receiver who hasn't had more than 50 carries in his career. Well, but who would you take Jamie love or Damian Harris? I would, I would take Harris in non PPR. I would take love in PPR, but they're so close. Uh, I, I think you can make an argument either way in half PPR. I would, I would take Harris as well. I'll okay. go Harris. I do I have love ahead of Gibson already in PPR? That can't be right. I'm looking at my rankings. I have Gibson ahead of Harris right now in full PPR. I guess that makes sense. I, to me, like I, I take the other side, right? Because what is what is the best we're going to get from from Gibson? He's not going to be a factor on the ground. Tariq Cohen or James White? I, you think like that's a, that's an eighty catch guy? He's I can't see him getting. That's as what I'm a saying. That's the best catches. case scenario for him is him being that type of player. I think, like, but I think, Dave, I think you, as you a said, rookie, that's seventy catches. 70 catches. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't right. I don't think that happens. But I, I I think look the thing with Harris and uh, with Love and and Gibson, they need Adrian Peterson to go away. They're never going to hit their ceilings if Peterson's but what, there. That, because, but what if what if they're so bad? That they just say, all right, look, sorry, Adrian Peterson, second half of the year. I, I hope so. Right? Yeah. You know, that, right. that that probably doesn't exist on the Patriots, where it's much more likely on the Redskins. There's one more thing. Look at this offensive line for Washington. Look at the offense in general for Washington. I don't think it's going to be conducive to effective rushing. And I well, it was last year. It, it was all right. Cause, last probably because they ran great. so and the, much. Right. Exactly. And I don't think they will nearly as much. I think throwing to the running backs is going to be a much bigger part of their offense. And that's what love can do. And that's what Gibson can do. That's what love can do. I love it, Dave. All right. Philip Lindsay is, uh, anyway, the point is I, I, okay. I think between rounds eight and 11, and it might literally be eight, nine, 10, you could get all three of these running backs on your squad. Oh, I don't want to do that. 
That sounds like a terrible idea. I know who does. Who, Dave, Ben? Ben Gretsch. <laughs> I don't know. But I just don't see what what is the upside of Gibson. It's just it's like all he could be is strictly a PPR guy, and I feel like a bye week replacement. Well, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, but like if he's not going to have any carries, if he gets five for fifty and does um, a Chris Thompson gig every week, then that's at least a we, safe. We, floor. Yeah, we we don't but we don't know every we week. Don't, we we don't know how how Washington is fully going to use him. All right, all right, move on. To Philip Lindsay, Dave. It's starting to look like he's going to take some more work than anticipated away from Melvin Gordon. So I moved him up in my rankings. To where? And ahead of who? He's he's going to be right in that same range as the running backs that we're talking about in non-PPR. PPR, he's going to be behind him because I still don't see him having a viable role as a pass catcher. Um, wait, Sorry, ahead of who? I don't know if he's necessarily going to be ahead of those guys. I said he was going to be in the same range oh, as those guys. Love and Harris? Yeah. Okay. Oh, I have him a lot ahead of them, far, a lot farther ahead of those guys. Well, sure. But I think they're pretty close. And in non PPR, I think he could be ahead of Gibson pretty easily. Well, can we just say Gibson has probably no use in non PPR, right? Or it would be a stunner if he was a starter in non PPR. Yeah, Lindsey, um, Melvin Gordon's a little banged up right now. Would you take Philip Lindsey or uh, a Lions running back? I would take Swift over Lindsey. I have both Lions over Lindsey, but I have carry on and Lindsey back to back. Okay. Especially with Swift banged up right now. Let's go to Jamie's risers. Jonathan Taylor, Preston Williams, and Chris Herndon are your risers. All right, so Jonathan Taylor, Preston Williams, Chris Herndon. Let's start with uh, the rookie running back, Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the he's living up to the billing right now, so it's... Uh, you know, nice to see. And, you know, I, I always expect it to be a split. Um, you know, when the offseason, everything, they killed preseason. I adjusted all the rookies and where I had Taylor, which was in the top 20. I put him uh, at 23 in non-PPR, 24, 25 in PPR. And now he's back in the top 20. I mean, you know, you just look at what his opportunity is. And if he hits, you know, it, it's, uh, it's a play on him being better depending on format over the Melvin Gordon, David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell group. So, you know, I'll, I'd rather take my chances with the upside of him versus the downside of what those guys are looking like right now. Even in PPR, you're taking Jonathan Taylor over those? I'm taking guys? Le'Veon over him in PPR, uh, but, you know, he's uh, still, I would take him over Gordon because it looks like Gordon's going to share pretty, uh, pretty close to 50-50 split. Uh, Lindsay's getting rave reviews, as Dave just said, um, and he's actually making plays in the passing game. So we'll see what Melvin Gordon's upside is as a pass catcher there. And then, um, you know, the, the group of, uh, of David Johnson, Mark Ingram loses in PPR, as we know. Um, I, I'm not going to trust Leonard Fournette, and I'm not there yet with Ronald Jones over Jonathan Taylor. All right. And Preston Williams, channeling Heath Cummings here. Did you move Preston Williams ahead of where Heath has him? That's what I want to know. I don't think I've put him up to five yet. So no. <laughs> um, but I, I've been moving Preston Williams up with every positive report. And uh, Joe Shad, who covers the Dolphins for the Palm Beach Post, I used to work with Joe. Um, he had a, a story in his notebook or a note in his notebook about Preston Williams turning heads at practice. And you just look at it, you know, with, with the two guys that they've lost in, in Hearns and Wilson and the fact that he's healthy and what he was doing before the ACL. And it's seemingly looking like Ryan Fitzpatrick's going to start more games than Tua Tagovailoa. Uh, there's a lot of targets available. There's a big opportunity there. And he's he's a physical freak that, you know, took advantage of his opportunity last year and put himself in a good spot this year. So if he's healthy, he's got, you know, top 30 upside. I don't I don't want to go too crazy. Heath is probably a little bit more excited about him, which he should be. He's been on uh, all over Preston Williams for two years. But um, like I moved ahead of Anthony Miller, you know how much I, I think of Anthony Miller. 
So I, I think, you know, you that's did. a guy that, wow. Yeah. Mil- Miller still hasn't been clear with his shoulder. He's, he's not going, you know, full go yet. So uh, that that's making me a little nervous. Um, you know, we got a negative report essentially on Alan Lazard. If you want to start putting guys in that range, um, you know, I think Preston Williams, uh, I'm, I'm glad Cassidy is excited about CD lamb, but I would take Preston Williams over CD lamb right now because I think there's more targets available. Um, Jerry Judy, Dylan Rager, you know, I would take him over those guys over Henry Ruggs, uh, you know, so there it it's, uh, you know, I had him in like the mid forties. Now he's closer to, you know, 37, 38. And, you know, I think he's a, he's a number three receiver with upside. Okay. And your last rankings riser was Chris Herndon. Yeah. we talked about this a few times. Um, you know, the opportunity is there in terms of targets. Uh, I think, you know, you, you're going to see how Sam Darnold operates. We saw him as a rookie, you know, 36 catches, 540 some odd yards and, and five touchdowns, four touchdowns, five touchdowns, whatever it was. Um, you know, he's, he's got a chance to build off that. He would have, I think, built off of it last year as a sophomore touch, a sophomore tight end. And the thing, you know, that I keep coming back to is uh, Sam Darnold played nine games with Ryan Griffin as the starting tight end last year. He scored five touchdowns in those nine games. So if Herndon just takes that, that, uh, workload and Griffin was a, a you know a streaming tight end last season with the way he was performing certainly in deeper leagues. So Herndon's now in that conversation for me with uh, the two sophomores of Fanton Hawkinson, Johnu Smith. Um, I would take him ahead of Austin Hooper and Jared Cook because I don't think there's much upside with the two veterans compared to you know some of these other guys. Um, for me, he's right behind Gasecki, right there with Blake Jarwin. You know that's another guy I like a lot. So you know those two guys for me are. Uh, or the, if I miss on, on, on a tight end, I'm looking in this order, Kaseki, Herndon, Jarwin, and uh, I have no problem taking two of those. Okay. I got to say, Chris Herndon and David Njoku were teammates in college. If, if Chris Herndon ends up being better than David Njoku, that would be such, like such an unheard of upset. Nobody could have ever predicted that. And it looks like it's going to happen. It's amazing. Uh, what, what could also happen is neither one of them ends up being much of anything. And the bigger disappointment would be Najoku. Yeah, for sure. Who you may have realized pretty early on that that could have been the case. Pouring a little bit of cold water, though, on, on Hearn. And just one thing is week one is at Buffalo. They're, Buffalo was one of the few teams that genuinely seemed to be great against tight ends last year. But oh, again, I mean, he's going to have some struggles. Clearly, you, you know, don't have to dra- you don't have to start on week one, but he's no, to be on your radar. You don't. And if you you know go back to what Dave said, Ebron and Herndon, that's a that's not a bad pairing to see how it plays out. There you go. Right. Like, and, but the idea is that Herndon could end up becoming a consistent starter for your team. Yep. I'm not a huge Herndon fan, but one of your last three or four picks, you want to take the chance on a position that's done well with Adam Gase and a guy that has some talent and seems to be connecting with this quarterback. That's fine. Ebron is disposable. Herndon could be disposable too, but there's a little more long-term upside with him. We're going to take a break. When we come back, who is falling in the rankings? Uh, A rookie running back, a second-year running back, a fifth-year, sixth-year running back, I think. Um, And we'll be back to tell you who they are right after this. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Going to Jamie's rankings followers, he's got three running backs. J.K. Dobbins, Melvin Gordon, and Miles Sanders. Melvin Gordon is in what? His sixth year? Or his fifth? I think his uh, fifth. Fifth makes sense. Okay. Um. So let's start with Dobbins. Why is he falling? I just think we're going to see a scenario and, you know, maybe I'm buying into a guy that I trust, uh, Jeff Rebeck, who was on our show on, on HQ, covers the Ravens for the Athletic. He said to said to me on the show that he's fighting for Gus Edwards' touches and Gus Edwards isn't completely getting benched. And then he doubled down on that with what he wrote over the weekend that it's going to be those guys picking up the scraps um, behind him and they don't really know what role they're going to use Dobbins in yet. He isn't unbelievable lottery ticket if Mark Ingram goes down because if he gets that opportunity he's going to be a rock star and I think that's why you bank on him for being a huge fantasy player in 2021 but if Mark Ingram stays healthy and you know he's been healthy more times than not then I think it's going to be tough for J.K. Dobbins to be successful so I had Dobbins um, just behind the other two rookies that are typically going to be the fifth sixth round guys of Cam Akers and DeAndre Swift I've now moved him behind Zach Moss and I put him behind um, the the two veteran guys that I think you see, you know, in that round seven, round eight range of Marlon Mack and carry on Johnson. So uh, Dobbins, I just think you have to treat as a good backup running back on a team that's going to run the ball a lot. And there's 130 carries that he could potentially get, but I don't know if he's going to get much more than that. And I don't know how involved he'll be in the passing game. Okay. And Miles Sanders is kind of obvious. How far did you drop him as he's dealing with this week to week injury? Yeah. As I told you, when we talked before the show, I don't think I did drop him. So, um, you know, we, (laughs) I know we were talking about this. I was trying to come up with a third guy and that was our, uh, our conversation, but I just think you have to look at it. It's more of an overall thing, not really a a running back thing. So I dropped him more. I think in, I'm sorry, I did drop him actually. So I'll, I'll back up that, uh, in non PPR. So uh, I would actually take Derrick Henry over him. And you know what I think about Derrick Henry. So, um, wow. I think Miles Sanders is a back-end round one pick now in non-PPR. Is he a first-round pick in PPR? He's still a first-round pick in both. But yep. um, oh, I, I was okay. always taking Henry in the first round in non-PPR, but back-end, and I don't typically see him going there. But uh, in PPR, yeah, he's, uh, he's in that 10 to 12 range. What I'm hoping he was, for... He was eight. Uh, what I'm hoping for is that the Eagles are just taking exceptionally precautionary measures with him and that what he's got going, it doesn't sound like it's very serious, even though they list him as week to week, but maybe they're just going to try and put him in bubble wrap until the week before their opener against Washington. Hopefully. And yeah. Melvin Gordon is your third follower. Dave's moving Philip Lindsay up. Jamie's moving Melvin Gordon down. Um, you put Jonathan Taylor ahead of him. Yep. I would take Taylor. Yep. Oof. I mean, I, I guess I get it. Uh, I, I, I wrestle so much with Jonathan Taylor. I mean, figuratively, you know, figuratively. Off, offensive line is fantastic. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Um, opportunity is huge if Mel- Marlon Mack's there, but if you're talking about Melvin Gordon sharing 50-50 and Jonathan Taylor sharing 50-50, I'll take the younger Wisconsin back at this point. Sure. Um, 
PPR, you know, it, it, it's, uh, it's, it's certainly probably, it's certainly a different argument because Gordon should be more involved in the passing game, but we don't really know what they're going to do with Jonathan Taylor. We're just, we're just speculating because of the other guys that they have there. So um, if Gordon is not in that 50 catch range, which is kind of where he's lived a little, you know, for when he's not at, at his best, um, it could be it could be a little bit of struggle for him. So he's not in the in the round three range for me anymore. I wouldn't take him to round four. It's not just that for Melvin Gordon. It's also is he living in the ten plus touchdown range, which he's lived in for a long time in his career. Yeah, it's been not nine nine touchdowns every year, but but his first year. Right, right, right. And last year he probably would have had ten if he had actually shown up at yep. the beginning of the year and not held out. So it's it's a it's it's getting to be a closer call. I think Melvin is starting to become. You know, you, you talk about your bridge running back, Shamie, and you've got Aaron Jones and James Conner and Chris Carson. Melvin is the troll under the bridge, <laughs> but he's still somebody who like might be able to help you. He's it's it's getting uglier for him as as the days go by. But I don't know if I've got another running back that I feel more comfortable taking ahead of him. And the problem that I have with Jonathan Taylor is, and he's is is a 50-50 split. It could end up being 33-33-33. They've got three running backs there. And Hines is locked into that passing role. I don't know if that's the case. It well, seems you think to be Mac gets it? I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, I mean, you remember me at the following the draft, before the draft, you know, I, I thought Hines is going to be a 70-catch guy. You know, he's averaged 54 catches in his career. And then you get Phillip Rivers, who this is what he loves. And so uh, even after the draft, you know, I said I wasn't going to move Hines, but I mean, I think you've heard me say this before. It wouldn't be surprised if, you know, you look at their three best backs in order. Taylor's seemingly the most talented based on what his pedigree is. True. Mac would be second and then Hines would be third. Well, why would you want to take Mac completely out of the picture and maybe use him as the pass catcher? Not to the same level that you would use Hines if it was just Hines. But I think if you're just looking at it as, okay, how do we keep Mac involved and active and, and part of this offense and maybe make Taylor's role a little bit bigger? Well, use Mac as a passing situation. And I don't know do this do? to be true. I'm just guessing. Sure, I, sure. We're just speculating here, and I and I appreciate it because I'm trying to get a grip on Taylor. You, you, and luck. Ben Gretchen, and a lot of other people, you're running away with Taylor, like he's going to be the, the stud. And I could totally see it happening. But as long as there's other bodies there who have done a good job, maybe not a great job, but a good job for Indianapolis, I think they, I think the Colts have the benefit of time here, and they could ease in Jonathan Taylor, and Very it well. could hurt his ability to to hit that upside. And that's why I'm, I'm not ready to take him with a top 50 pick yet. Mm. Uh, Jamie, you mentioned, you said 50, 50 split for Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay. Is that what you're expecting? That's what we're hearing. I mean, you know, that's the the report that we got from Fangio that he said, I don't feel like I have to name a starter. Yeah. And... I, but he didn't say there it's going to be a 50, 50 split. He, he's no, just the, the, the speculation based on what he said was a 50, 50 split. Not to me. I mean, it wasn't a 50-50 split last year. I ex- for, who? for Freeman and Lindsey. Well, Lindsey is, as a rusher, the best player that Melvin Gordon has shared a backfield with. Maybe. I, I mean, Eckler's as very a good. rusher. Yeah. I, I love Philip Lindsey. I was very disappointed last year. But I still think you bring in Melvin Gordon, I, I feel like 50-50. I, 60-40? If, you're, what if, if you're, it's... if you're looking at it from Philip Lindsay and everything that he's done, you know, he put in work on his body, put in work. It's it's essentially like everything Dave has uh, reported about Ronald Jones. Philip Lindsay's done the same thing. He put weight on, spent a lot of time working on his role in the passing game. Well, then how could you um, like him? You don't like him running backs put weight on. 
I, I don't. This is this isn't necessarily like Philip Lindsay to me is not a, a he's a riser. I, I think I agree with Dave. You know, I I I I would take Philip Lindsay as a good number three running back and a half. Mm-hmm. But Melvin Gordon is first off, we haven't even said he's battling a rib injury. I yeah, I did you know, mention so, that. Yeah. Right. You know, it doesn't sound uh, like it's a big deal, but I, I agreed. But yeah. you know, it, it's it's the whole it's the whole week. package starting to come together. You know, you have a guy who's back to back thousand yards as an undrafted rookie who's done nothing but been awesome since he's been with this team. And yes, there are metrics that don't make him uh, a top tier running back. His pass blocking, his pass catching, his route runs, all those things you want to you know throw into it. But he's not somebody that you just say, okay, go away. It's the same thing. Like you just don't say Marlon Mack, go no, away, right, carry on yeah. Johnson, Phil go away. Lindsay's good. Yeah, for sure. All so, right. So yeah, go ahead, finish up. I, I, I'm just looking at it, you know, again, we're, we're, we're nitpicking with these guys. So I don't think you completely avoid Melvin Gordon. Like, you know, I, I don't want to go back to Dave's pick-by-pick uh, pick number three team where he took him in, in round three because, as Dave said, I had to get a running back. Like, I don't think you should subscribe to that with him. But if that's round four, it makes a little more sense. Okay. All right. Uh, Dave, I hate to do this to you, but I just want to get to the news and hopefully some emails. Um, let's go through your followers. Uh, you know, give me give me some thoughts. Carry on Johnson, T.Y. Hilton, Rob Gronkowski. Let's start with carry on. Carry on had some interesting quotes recently when they asked him about his knee brace. He's wearing a knee brace, first of all. That typically isn't a good thing, but he says he's one with the knee brace. And then when they asked him about what he might be learning from DeAndre Swift, here's the quote. Well, I can't learn anything from Swift because the way Swift's knees bend and hips work, I can't do any of that. <laughs> so when he comes up and does his little shaky bake, whatever, I can't do that. So I just say, good job. Maybe do this a little better or maybe do that. But you got open. <laughs> it's hard to tell somebody who got open, don't get open. So, I mean, he's doing an excellent job. So it, it, it almost sounds like he's resigned to the fact that he's not as talented or as flexible and versatile as DeAndre Swift. And despite that, the Lions are still probably going to use multiple running backs because that's just Patricia's theory. Why Why would he use a great three-down running back, potentially, in DeAndre Swift when he's got on Johnson to take some of the work away? I just don't want Carrion on my team. Okay. So I, I'm moving him just south, south, south. So I know that it would have to take me drafting with nine or 11 clones of myself to actually get on Johnson on my team. What do you think happens, Dave, if, if he stays healthy? Like, what's your projection for that backfield if on plays 16 games? Oh, if he were to end up playing 16 games, I still don't know if he's as talented as DeAndre Swift is. Like I, I just see Swift as the better football player and certainly the more um, explosive and speedy runner between the two of them at this point. I, I, I don't think the Lions drafted DeAndre Swift with the idea of, yeah, he'll be a great compliment to carry on Johnson. I think they, they realize that carry on Johnson isn't as good as they thought he was, and they might be resigned to the fact that he could be brittle and he was brittle in college, and now he's been brittle in the pros. So his role, maybe the split eventually, maybe the Lions come to their senses and they do it sooner than later, especially if they're talking about using Swift in like a Camara-type role, where on Johnson gets, maybe he gets what we were originally thinking for Philip Lindsay, which is around 10 carries per game. Maybe that becomes 10 touches, because on can catch the ball. 
but I don't, I don't think he gives them nearly as much explosiveness as Swift does. I just wish Swift were practicing every day because the reports before that were mostly good. You know, Patricia wasn't tipping his hand and he was kind of, you know, backhand complimenting Swift about some of the things that he did. But if the lions are smart, they'll want to try and get their running backs involved in the passing game more. That would help Matthew Stafford. That would diversify the offense more than they have in the past. And Swift is very good at that. He's got great natural hands. Another fall for you is T.Y. Hilton. Where'd you move him? He continues to move down for me. I think I've got him either in round six or out of round six, just because I'm not quite sure he's the same running back or receiver rather that he was before. And I look at all, I look at, I look at what the Colts did this off season by drafting Michael Pittman, drafting Jonathan Taylor. And I, I think they're going to try and be versatile. And I know Philip Lindsay's in camp and I know he's, he's throwing well and doing great. And maybe Hilton does lead the team in targets, but I don't think he comes back and uh, finishes as a top 20 or even top 24 wide receiver. I think, I think you, you saw his, some of his efficiency metrics fall last year. Uh, his, his average depth of target fell yards per catch fell. He's never been a big touchdown magnet. They've got a lot of options in the passing game. And now they've got three running backs that could end up taking some work away and easing the pressure off of Philip Rivers, who's what, 38, 39 years old? It would only make sense that they try and diversify a little bit. So I think the target share is going to go down for T.Y. Hilton because of it. So fewer targets, not nearly as effective as he was previously. I'm going to let somebody else draft T.Y. Hilton this year. Would you take a Texans wide receiver or T.Y. Hilton? I think I've got them ranked really close to each other, and I would probably be at the point now. I don't know if I could do it. I don't know if I could do it. I, T.Y. might be just ahead of Cooks and Fuller. Okay. But I remember, I'm different when it comes to Will Fuller. There's a lot of people that see the upside in Will Fuller. If you're one of those people, it's easy to take Fuller ahead of T.Y. All right, Rob Gronkowski, your final faller. I Again, just a lot of pass catchers in that offense, and Gronk is just now starting to round into form. I'm really starting to buy into the idea that he'll be – you know, a lot of touchdowns, not a lot of playing time, not a lot of yardage. Might have a lot of games under 50 yards this year, which makes him touchdown dependent fantasy tight end. So, who did you move ahead of him, or who'd you move him behind? Hurst is ahead of him for me now, and he was ahead of a lot of people. Hurst was ahead of Gronk for a lot of people, and uh, I think I'm probably going to move Austin Hooper ahead of Rob Gronkowski too. Oh, all righty. So uh, to recap, Jamie's three risers were Jonathan Taylor, Preston Williams, and Chris Herndon. Dave's three risers were Bryce Love, Damian Harris, and Philip Lindsay. Jamie's fallers were J.K. Dobbins, Melvin Gordon, and sort of Miles Sanders. Dave's fallers were Carrion Johnson, T.Y. Hilton, and Rob Gronkowski. In terms of news items that we may have missed, Daryl Henderson uh, has a mild hamstring injury, I believe. Yep. Yes. Um, scrimmage on Saturday. Yeah, so we're keeping our eyes on the Rams' backfield right now. Uh, Malcolm Brown got the first carries in carries. Yeah, first carry in their scrimmage. Uh, Nick Chubb's out of the concussion protocol. It doesn't seem like there's a reason to draft Keyshawn Vaughn right now. Is that fair to say? Looks like he's going to be returning kicks. Yeah, yeah, late round, late round, late round lottery ticket, just in case Ronald Jones goes down. Josh Kelly Josh Kelly could be gaining ground on Justin Jackson already. Love to hear that. Yeah. And that one we saw coming. Brandon Ayuk has a leg injury. Man, they can't get a healthy receiver. No, no, they're snake bitten. It's, kind of it's going to be interesting to see uh, how, like, I could see Kendrick Bourne being the week one 
waiver wire claim. Like he goes out and has two touchdowns and like 70 yards. Kendrick Bourne, yeah. Like that that's the type of guy that you you're gonna They've got Arizona week one. <laughs> they might put Peterson on him. Who else are they gonna have? No, Peterson put, on Kittle, yes. maybe that could be oh, interesting. Oh yes, please. That would be awesome if they put Not Peterson. If you're a Kittle on. Guy. Uh, I, I would, I, I would, you know what? I wouldn't even care. I would pay to see it. I would, I bet they that. would, they Kittle would get plenty of targets, and I'm sure Peterson would win some of the time, and Kittle would win some of the time. That would be a lot of fun. You know what they should do? They should put Isaiah Simmons on George Kittle. See how that goes. I think that's, I think why, that's they why they drafted him. Drafted him. I, yeah. I think that is, but I don't think week one of his rookie season with no preseason games is the right time to put Isaiah Simmons on, on George Kittle. Uh, let's go. To the emails, finish the show here. Uh, Cameron in a town south of St. Louis. Uh, Little Rock, Arkansas. Dear Freddie, Ronald, Ozzy, and Dansby. Come on, Jamie. Freddie, Ronald, Ozzy, and Dansby. Freddie, Ronald. Shortstops. Come on, Jamie. No, they're not shortstops, Schrager. They're they Braves. They're not, it's not Ozzy Smith. It's Ozzy Albies. And it's Freddie Freeman and Ronald Acuna. Schrager hmm. chimes in. They could be shortstops too. Uh, maybe we could probably find some Freddies that played shortstop. All right. Anyway, I noticed there's a group of running backs I would normally target in the late first and early second rounds that have the same buy: Joe Mixon, Miles Sanders, Nick Chubb, all in Week Nine. Would this change your change your strategy at all if you're going RB RB? First two picks, they had the same buy. Would that bother you? Yeah, I wouldn't love it, but you know, what are the what are the buys? Week nine. You'll you got time to prepare, yeah. right? Okay. From Steven, I have a question about Zach Ertz. Last year, he was in the tier with Kelsey and Kittle. And despite putting up similar numbers to Kittle, he's down around 50 to 60 in your rankings. Why isn't Ertz being considered in the top tier this year? I think we're really... I'm sorry, uh, about that. I, 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 th- I think I can speak for you here. We're worried about the target share not being there for him. They added Rager. Deshaun Jackson's healthy. J.J. Arcega-Whiteside is getting some complimentary reviews. Philadelphia Every receiver there stopped. has gotten rave reviews. It's amazing. Greg Ward, Arcega-Whiteside, Deshaun Jackson, Rager. Quez Watkins. I, Quez Watkins yeah. had some nice things yep. to say. They love everybody. Well, everybody they, loves they, everybody. They were starved for pass catchers last year. So anybody and don't forget Goddard. Right now I mean, you know, Goddard was was a was a monster for them. The running backs were doing a great job. It's just hard to envision him being as successful as he was. First off, two years ago he was record setting. You know, so that's why he was in the same conversation with Kittle and Kelsey. And then he took a a, a step back. Um, and he's also a little older. You know, so. It's uh, he's still a great player. It's you know, it's it's not a it's not a slap in the face to have a guy ranked a little bit lower because he may be a little bit worse. But you know, you're you're still looking at there. There's a clear four at tight end. There is a definite clear four, and Kittle and and I'm sorry, Ertz is the fourth. So uh, Andrews is just you know having a monster monster training camp, building off what he did last year, and there are targets available for him now. So um, I would take Andrews over Ertz, but if you're in the Ertz camp, still take him third. All right, this is from Mason Hurst from Winters, California. Hey, Mike, Chris, Tom, and Rob. I don't know. Bucks. Oh, there you go. If they were like baseball players, I would have got it. 12-team half PPR league where you can keep up to two players in the round they were drafted. Uh-huh. I'm keeping Mark Andrews in the 12th. Pick nice. one more. Kyler Murray, 8th round. Ronald Jones, 8th round. Marquise Brown, 11th round. 
man, the value for Marquise Brown is amazing, but do you want to go all in on the Ravens passing game when their quarterback just has a soft tissue injury? Yeah, that's what uh, um, that's what this email was actually about, pairing those right, two. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, look, if Ronald Jones hits, and he is the guy for, for Tampa, uh, round eight is not necessarily the best value because he's basically going to be around six, seven pick based on ADP. You're going to see Sharps take him in round five. Um but Kyler Murray, if he hits, is going to be a top three quarterback. I would lean toward Murray. You can keep Marquise Brown for a ninth rounder next year and then a seventh rounder the year after that. That's tempting. That's tempting because if he does come through, then you've got you've got the Ravens' top targets for basically the prime of their careers. And then you can just go hog wild on running backs for most of your first five or six picks. I love Ronald Jones. Even I think he'll have a great year this year and then huge question mark after this year. I'm going to say Brown. From Garrett here, I have the second pick of the draft. I'm anticipating Kyle edwards Zeller being taken. That leaves me... I'm sure there are keepers here. That leaves me oh, with Henry draft. Mixon. Oh, that leaves me with Henry Mixon, Jacobs, and Eckler as potential first choices. I want to keep this player for the next three to four years. Who would you take? Henry Mixon, Jacobs, or Eckler? What's the score? Don't know. I don't think it matters. I think it's Jacobs. Uh, I yep. Just yes. I agree. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, mix mix Genuinely. is hard to overlook too. Uh, yeah, but he's two years older than two years farther in his career than Jacobs. So, uh, finally, Dan in Atlanta wants to know what draft slot he should take in a two quarterback league. Top four. Why? Because you can get one of the two quarterbacks if you're so inclined. If not, you get one of the running backs. And if you want to pick fourth, you may get Saquon. If you love those top four running backs and those top two quarterbacks, you can go to six. And then you're guaranteed either one of the top four well, running you backs just, you're, or the top you're leaving two it, You're leaving it to other people if that's the way you want to play it, but sure. Right. But then you pick ahead of all those people in round two and there should be a great quarterback there or a very good running back, very good. Wide 10 receiver. team league, by the way, 10 team league, then I'm going to go one, but then you're not going to get an elite quarterback. Well, you might get one of the top six. Maybe you might, you might, if you, if, if all, six and if of you those don't, guys, and if you don't, then that means you're just getting right. If all six of those guys go in the receiver. first 20 picks, you have, you have the potential right. of Kelsey or Kittle. You have the potential of, one of the top three wide receivers, or top four wide receivers, and you know, still another great running back. And yeah. you get McCaffrey. <laughs> so. Sure. Oh, boo hoo. Yeah, that works. <laughs> All right, guys, we're out of here. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. We'll come back on Monday with another episode. Well, we've got a fun week plan. We've got league winners in each round. We've got wide receiver versus running back debates. Uh, try to get a guest on later in the week as well. Maybe talk a little IDP. I'm Adam for Dave and Jamie. See you later. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. 
We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 